take me out to the ball game take me out to the crowd buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks i don't care if we ever come back oh that's not the right words i'm trying to remember the words buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks i don't care if we never get back but it's root 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 for the home team if they don't win anyway come on it's baseball season it's almost the all-star break we got my man walker bueller ace pitcher los angeles dodgers organization national league west world series champion ncaa champion college world series with vanderbilt he's on the dl he had elbow surgery not tommy john just elbow surgery. He's going to be okay. He's out probably somewhere between six and 12 weeks. He'll be back in September. We have a great conversation. I love this dude. He loves to hunt. He loves the outdoors. He loves the fish. He loves to eat wild game. We touch on that. We touch on his career this season, his injury, how it happened, where it happened, how he knew. Um, it's it's This life ain't for everybody. It's truly not. Again, it's brought to you by our friends, family, Jack Daniels, Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey, Lynchburg, Tennessee. Please enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. I love getting a couple fingers on ice cubes of Gentleman Jack or the single barrel, the foul life edition that we have right now. And just sitting back and watching this man pitch. I love watching baseball. Just got done watching the College World Series. Congratulations to Ole Miss, the Rebels. I know a lot of my buddies down in the South and Southeast are fired up for that victory. I wanted to see the Razorbacks in Arkansas win it, but I'm happy with Ole Miss. Congratulations to Oklahoma, the Sooners, for such a great season. This is Walker Bueller. This is baseball. This life ain't for everybody. Chad Belding brought to you again by Jack Daniels, Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. Thank you all for listening. Hope you all enjoy it. So, the what was the first sign of it? Like you ha- were having tenderness in your elbow, or was there some major pain? No, I've always had like I've needed to get this shit out of the back of my elbow for like three years. Uh, but in San Fran, I threw a pitch in the third that like yanked it, and then I finished the third, went back out. Every throw was yanking it. Gave up a homer. I was like, all right, I'll just finish the inning. And then was like, yeah, I'm hurt. You guys gotta get me out here. So what is it – I know you're a competitor and you've had a lot of success already and you're still young in your career. You had a ton of success, you know, in college career, high school, all that. But what does it do to your psyche? Like you you were in you were in the Cy Young voting last year, should have finished better than you did if not win it. This year you're off to another good start. You're Do, do, you, do you get pissed off or what are the emotions like for a, a caliber of guy you are, an athlete you are, and pitcher you are when – you, you're told, hey, you're going to miss eight weeks. That's quite a few starts. That's eight starts. Yeah, I don't. I think it's weird. I, I talked the other day about this. Like, when you're younger, I think all you want to do is like be good and <laughs> help your team that way. Like every inning I'm out there, I hope I don't give up a run and just try and be good that way. But I think every year that we've like started another year, every year that I've been in, you know, in the big leagues, I think you try and focus more on like the the team helping side of it. Like, obviously, you want to be good and go do that. But my goals went from, like, being in the big leagues for a year to strike out 200 to throw 200 innings. Like, and as you get deeper into this game, like, I think your goals are more and more aligned that way. And I think, for me, like, that makes getting hurt even more annoying because my goals aren't just, like, to be successful in a start, right? The goals are to be successful over 33 starts and, and to help our team. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. Uh, 
you know, not, not surprising. Like I've had Tommy John surgery. So I've, I've been through this elbow stuff before, but uh, just not something you want to deal with. And, and obviously, you know, it can kind of remove you a little bit mentally from feeling like you're really a, a part of the team. Do you, are you glad that it happened now and your future, like your trainers and everybody's just like, Hey, this is, this is going to be okay. Eight weeks. You're going to come back. You're going to have a rehab stint. What's the outlook on the rehab in, um, you know, right now, when will you be back? And you know, what are, what is your psyche telling you right now that this is kind of a wash season or you still have a chance to come back and help your team through the playoffs? No, I mean, you know, it's an eight to 12 week deal. So, you know, you're, probably start throwing and I'll start throwing in like four weeks from now. So six weeks from surgery. And, uh, and then it's another six week buildup, including your rehabs and all that stuff. So, you know, everything goes perfectly and you cross every T and dot every I I'm probably back early September. And um, you know, that this thing happens three weeks, four weeks, five weeks later, you know, my, my season's completely over, but you know, very fortunate to, to be in the organization and, and on the team that I'm on. And um, you know, we expect to, and then hopefully going to play, for a while in October. And um, so, you know, hopefully come back and, and have a good month, month and a half um, at the end of the year. You play, do you think that your division this year is still tops? I mean, this at nationally West, you got some pretty solid baseball teams in it. There's a lot of good baseball being played right now, but what's your outlook as a team right now? You guys are in first place again. You got San Diego only one game behind, which was kind of surprising to me with their injuries with Machado and Tatis and them. What what's the what's the the aura in the dugout right now? It's like have you guys hit your stride yet? Um, you know, I've, I've kind of gotten to, to be in obviously in the dugout for the majority of the season and, and then kind of away a little bit now, but you know, from afar and, and in the dugout, I, I think most guys on our team would tell you we haven't played um, our best baseball, I guess. Uh, as cliche as that sounds, like we haven't played our best baseball, but um, I, I just don't think we have. And luckily, we've had some guys step up big time for us on the mound with Tony and, and Tyler Anderson and, and Mitch White and, you know, getting Kirsch back. So, you know, things are things are what they are at this point. We're very fortunate to be in, in first, um, having not played as well as we want to, but that's that's also a testament to the way that our team is built and, and the talent that we have in, in our building. So, um, yeah, I mean, our division is, is pretty talented. Um, you know, the AL East is pretty pretty strong this year. They've, they've got four or five really good teams, and, and Baltimore, I saw, had, you know, the first winning month in, in a few years for them, so... Um, they're playing well, but you know, our, our goal is to, to win our division and, and then win our league and then win the whole thing. So, uh, you know, as of now, we're, we're feeling good about that and uh, hopefully hit our stride here as the, as the season goes on. I got to ask you this before we get back to what you're experiencing. This brawl that happened last week, um, was it Seattle, Anaheim? Yeah. Like, is this necessary in the game of baseball i understand competitive edge and i understand being competitive and and protecting your teammates and you know the things that go into sports but did that brawl go too far or is that just part of the game to where that's going to happen once in a while because people are out on injuries people are kicked out on you know just the league kicking them out and suspending them i saw a guy last night's out a pitcher's out with a thumb injury He's going to be out for a couple months, and he broke it during the brawl, jumping in. What is yeah. your opinion? You're a pitcher. What is that? What part of the, uh, does that serve in the game of baseball? As far do you have to get that out of your system once in a while? 
Um, I think so. I, we've never really been in like a big full on brawl. We've cleared benches a few times, especially in 2018, we did it a few times, but um, it's an interesting deal. You know, I think you really have to look at your veteran guys. Um, Cause they kind of sense more when it's, when it's needed. Like if I'm sitting in the dugout and Kirsch hasn't yelled anything, then, then I know we're kind of like not <laughs> on red alert for that kind of deal. But if he's chirping, if he's getting frustrated, he, you know, he's been in this game so long, he can kind of feel when something needs to be done. And, you know, I think in, in, you know, the sports history, right. There, there was definitely other ways to do that besides clearing benches and, um, you know, if, if a team cleared benches back in the day, like they were going to brawl like Seattle and Anaheim did because there was other stuff that led up to that. Right. But now you hit a guy in the wrong spot or you hit a guy in the wrong place in the game, you know, you're going to get suspended for that when you're trying to do those things that are kind of precursors to that. Right. So, you know, you, you hit a guy on a OO count in the wrong inning after something happened the last inning, you could get suspended and, um, uh, you know, not that we want to hit guys and get guys hurt that way either, but um, I don't know. I think it can certainly promote a little bit of the all or nothing. Like we're either fighting, brawling like they did, or we're not allowed to do anything culture as opposed to the, uh, no, we're going to hit your guy, you're going to hit ours, and then we're going to go about our business. When you when you start talking about the accuracy yeah. part of the game for a pitcher, do you think that at this day and age, Walker Bueller and baseball, that pitchers are throwing as many strikes as they ever had? Is the accuracy there in the game today as it was, let's say, in the in the 90s and maybe the mid-80s? Where, where, I'm, where I'm going with this is that I, I just see a lot. I've been watching a lot of baseball on TV, and I see a lot of walks, and I'm seeing a lot of pitches out of the strike zone. But I also see strike zones maybe being a little tighter for some reason. There was a guy kicked out the other night that doesn't have a reputation of getting kicked out, won't say any names. But um, the pitch was six inches inside, and the umpire gave it to the pitcher. And the announcer says that's the ninth one tonight that he's given that was nowhere near the strike zone. Is it – my question, Walker Buehler, please bear with me because it's it's kind of lame sounding, but are pitchers throwing less strikes and the umpires are just being impatient and calling strikes? Or is it just part of the game to where the strike zone has been expanded so much that that pitchers are getting calls that really are not strikes because they can't find the strike zone a lot of nights? I don't know if that question makes sense or not. Um uh. No, I mean, just in general, like if you look at first off, I, I think if you watch the game in the 90s and you watch the game now, the strike zone is actually way more enforced now. I think, you know, if you watch a game now and you see a K zone, like you've never seen a game in the 90s with one of those. And I think, you know, there's games, these classic games, Levon Hernandez had that game, he punched out 20, I think. And you watch some of the calls in that game, it's just a whole different you're playing a different game. I think the culture of the game is different in terms of most of us are trying to throw the ball really hard a lot. Um, I think that guys are swinging really hard a lot and they're only swinging at pitches that they feel they can really hit a long way. Um, so you're just getting a lot of takes. You're getting a lot of really, really good pitches that are, that these guys are taking that maybe back then they wouldn't have taken, right? They're trying to hit it the other way or, or whatnot. So it's kind of that perfect storm. But, you know, if the if the average fastball velocity from the 90s till now is up four miles an hour, six miles an hour or whatever it is, 
think it makes it a lot harder on the umpires too. People don't realize how hard, how hard that job is. Uh, I mean, you play catch with, you know, when I play catch with anybody on our team, like to say this ball has to cross this area, it's hard. You can't always tell. And, you know, for the most part, those guys do a really, really good job. Obviously, we're going to see the, the negative highlights, but you're not going to see the 90% of them or 95% that they get right. Do you like some of the things that are in baseball today that weren't back in that era of the 90s and the early 2000s? Do you like instant replay being part of the game to take the the human error out of it? Um, yeah, I do. I mean, I think we all – if there's no instant replay, we're going to complain about them getting the calls wrong, right? So it, it's hard to complain about them getting – everything right I, I think there's some semblance that the the rules are always going to be pushed a little bit right the guy slides in beats a tag comes off the bag for a quarter of a second and the tags on him and he's out right that that's i don't know if that's in the spirit of of what we were trying to do or, or what they were trying to do and they put replay in but that's the game we're playing and and guess what guys have to slide and hold the bag now so um there's pros and cons i wouldn't say that i i dislike it i think it is funny when they get these umpires on the on the mic now um, and explain it football style, so I think that makes it a little more entertaining, at least for us, and, and I we hope for the fans. But um, yeah, I don't, I, you know, I don't mind it. Okay, what about the shift? Um, as a pitcher, I, I think it, you have to like it. From watching our team transport runs, I, I think you don't. But um, you know, it works, and, and until they say that we can't do it, I, I don't know how. Um, in my position, I could say that, that I don't like it. Obviously, there's stuff that, you know, you have to be super, super in tune and talk to the staff about how you want certain things done and, and what you're going to try to do to a guy and how that might affect where they might hit the ball. But, um, you know, all in all, you look at most guys, they're a lot better when the shift is not on. Do you, do you think that with a, you know, with the mentality of a pitcher when the shift is on, I mean, it's almost impossible to to throw a, a. Is it almost impossible to throw against that shift walker? Like you can't, you know, have a lefty that pulls the ball all the time, and then you go up there and try to throw him outside, right, and try to let him hit the ball deep to the, you know, let the ball get deep and hit it to the other side of the field. What is the mentality of the pitcher when the shift's on? Is does it put more pressure on you to hit that spot? when you know that he's that if you do give up something to the outer part of the plate on a lefty that he's going to beat the shift and and really screw up what the the you know the what you guys' strategy was in the first place right i mean so most teams or at least our our team and organization will tell you like regardless of what the shift is on this is on you know there's enough data to say that it doesn't matter right like where you throw it this is where the ball is going to be hit and these guys swings like you can see it big lefties and the way they swing you can see how they pull most of the balls, even when they're away. And so you, you're trying your best, I guess, to avoid that, like, I can't throw to half the plate because you can't hit it over there. But I don't know. It's it's a hard one because there's so much more that goes into it in terms of scouting and my strengths, his strengths, avoiding slugs, so avoiding the extra base hit versus, you know, if I'm facing Freddie Freeman or when I have in a, when he was in Atlanta, I'd rather him hit a single the other way against a shift than a homer. And he's done both. So at, at some point, like going away to him was safer than going in. And so you're going to just kind of take, t 
take the risk and put the onus on him to like take that good swing and hit the ball the other way as opposed to letting him just take his good swing and hit a homer off of you. Speaking of him, is his swing one of the – I don't know if it's the prettiest swing, but there's prettier swings out there. But is there no holes in his swing at all? Yeah, he's certainly one of those guys that that as you scout and as you play against, it, it becomes more and more evident that, like, he can really hit any pitch at, at any moment. And you have to really – do some stuff to influence him, if that makes sense. What kind of guy is he on the team? Was he? Did you know he was a good guy when he was in Atlanta? I know you have friends that you played college ball with that were teammates of his, like Dansby and them. But mm-hmm. is is he is is he always cracked up to be as a human being because he looks like that all American family man, great teammate? Is that what you're seeing out of Freddie? Yeah, I mean, you can see the the reaction that he got in Atlanta this past weekend, right? Like they obviously love him there, and um. You know, interesting, interesting guy, very, um, very simplistic in the way that he goes about his business, which is for some people extremely surprising because you think, like, oh, the best players must have the most intricate, you know, warm ups and all this stuff. And, and Freddie's kind of old school in the fact that he shows up and, and is kind of ready to play when he walks into the yard. And, um, but part of that, you know, is also, explains why he plays 160 games every year and, and doesn't take days off and, and performs every year. So um, obviously we're lucky to have him and, um, you know, excited for the next, I guess, five and a half years of, of watching him over there. What excites you the most about your team? What do you look forward to the most? Or like in, in today in today's game, you know, this season right now, what gets your blood flowing? I know that you can't play right now. You can't pitch, so your mentality's changed. Now you're just uh, you're not a cheerleader. You're a teammate now. You're you got to keep these guys up. Um, I assume you're still going in the dugout a lot of times. I don't know if you're traveling, but what what is your role right now? And what do you look forward to the most with this current Los Angeles Dodgers team? Is are are, are you do you have the athletes on that you love to watch every day? Do you love the offense? What's what's blowing your mind? Do you are you so fired up that Kirsch is back and you get to see him pitch again? I saw he got a loss last night. What 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 is what what gets you going right now about this team? Yeah, watch it. Well, I mean, there's a playing in LA and, and with the team that we have is is just it's special because we have so many guys that are so talented, right? And and Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and watching Trey Turner half of last year and, and you know almost halfway this year has been has been pretty special. Just the athlete and the kind of um he's a guy that that is always making things happen even if you don't notice him, right? He gets a lot of infield hits where you look back at a box where you're like, oh I forgot he got two hits. And that that's just kind of a, a testament to how special of a player he is. Um, Tony Gonsolin's run this year has been pretty special. Um, watching him kind of become a, a whole different version of himself has, has been awesome. And um, yeah, getting Kirsch back has been cool. It, or, you know, we're excited to get him back just because he is, you know, one of those walking statue guys in our game and, and obviously a, a pretty good buddy of mine now. And, uh, yeah, we got a cool team, man. Julio has been really good. I, I saw something about, I think it was maybe since June of last year, He's he's got like a 1.5 or 1.7 ERA in his past 30 starts or something. And um, he and I have become pretty close too. So it's been cool. It's been really cool. And then uh, another guy that 
Gavin Lux has, has really stepped in and um, kind of found a role in, in terms of getting on base, not trying to hit a homer every time, and um, has turned himself into a, to a pretty valuable Major League Baseball player. Besides Kershaw, <clears throat> Walker Buehler, what what guys that have been there, done that, do you look to the most on the team? Um, I assume you're friends with most of them, but do you look do you look to Turner at third base ever for advice in the league? When you become a veteran in the game, when, first off, when do you become a veteran? What is there a certain amount of seasons you have to bag in the big leagues to become a veteran? Um, I, I can only talk about, you know, my experience and our team. I, I think different teams have different barriers, right? You know, not every team has a guy walking around with 12, 13, 14 years or getting to play with Albert Pujols and Clayton Kershaw on the same team. Like that's just not super regular. So on our team, I, I think that's later, right? But if you look at Baltimore, Oakland or whatever, there are guys, you know, if you have four or five years, you may be the most veteran guy on the team. So I think it's kind of a team to team basis. Um, on our team, I don't feel like a veteran. I feel like I've been there and I kind of have my routine and, and know what I need to do. But um, you're still watching everyone. And I think that's one of the coolest things about our team is, is that you are around guys of different ages that do have their own ideas and routines. And I don't think it really matters how long they've been there. I think it matters that what they're doing is working for them, and and that's kind of how we operate. And um, so you pick up you, you know pick up stuff from guys everywhere. Do you have you been able to slow the game down, Walker? I just looked up <clears throat> last night, and it's like seventy seven games played already. It's almost the All Star break, which like is crazy because I literally was just going into spring training going okay i'm going to spring training and then we know what happened and then the yeah. day i was arriving is the day that it got settled but you still weren't going to play games for another seven to ten days so my sure. spring training got canceled again but i look like it's all the first part of the season's already gone like yeah. personally have you been able to slow the game down or does it because baseball is considered relatively slow game in the professional sports world even though it's the best sport on earth my opinion have do you have you slowed it down and or does it still move fast to you or does it only move slow in between the chalk lines when you're playing those nine innings? Because it just seems to me like, wow, man, where did the season go? Yeah, I mean, for us, I think the season you ask most of us, it's going to kind of up and down. You know, there's going to be stretches that that are bad and feel like they're taking forever. But at the end of the day, like it's 24 hours, 24 hour day and, and we're playing a we just happen to be playing a three-hour game somewhere in there most nights. and um, You know, like everything, when it's good, you remember the good ones and, and try and get rid of the bad. And uh, Yeah, it's been cool. You obviously adjust a little bit better every year at, you know, making your house at home, learning how to deal on the road better, having a restaurant that you like in a city, and, and kind of making playing in the big leagues feel more like, a, more like you're at home all the time uh, just because you have routines and, um, some sense of normalcy even when, even when you're on the road. And um, my wife has, has traveled a lot this year, and, and that's certainly helped in, in terms of that way, her being there all the time. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting deal and interesting life, but uh, I know we all wouldn't trade it. There's no way you would, would you? It's like it's got to be the best life to be a professional <laughs> baseball player. It's like – you, I don't know when you knew you were going to make it or when your coaches started telling you, but there's 
there's that time when you got drafted out of Vandy after you win the NCAAs, um, which we're, we'll talk about that in a second. But, God, I don't know if you could have a better life, man. You play until October. You can still get out, maybe November a little bit, depending on when the World Series gets over now. But you still get out for hunting season. You, you, you play one day a week as a starting pitcher, maybe two. You get to golf a little bit. You get to see America. You get to travel. You get to hang with the boys. You not only get to play baseball, but you get to watch it every day, which if you're a fan, that's pretty freaking cool. Um, do you take any of it for granted? I know you said you wouldn't trade it, but do you find yourself, do you ever have to pinch yourself, Walker Bueller, and be like, wait a minute, stop thinking that way. Man, I'm, I am a pro ball player. Like, Do you ever take it for granted and find yourself getting a little bit bigger than you need to be personally? Do you ever have to check yourself your, or your check your ego at the door, Walker? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone has to, regardless of what they're doing, right? But, you know, obviously what you're saying, I think one of the biggest things that, that you forget doing it year after year is that you do get, so I play 30 games, I get 130 first row tickets, right? Like every every other game, I have the best seat in the house for a Major League Baseball game. And, um, I don't know if it's so much your ego. I think I think you just have to kind of sometimes return to like being a kid and, and thinking about how cool it would be to do what you're doing and and remember that that side of it maybe a little bit. But also you you don't want to kind of escape too far into understanding that it, we do have a job and, and our job is to go and, and be successful and win and contribute to this kind of 40, 45, 50 man goal that we have every year to, to win the last game. And um, so it's trying to balance those two things, I think, and treat it like a job, but, but understand that it's the most fun job in the world. It's got to be. And I just, it just seems to me like you would, you know, people always say, well, when it becomes a job, do you still love what you do? Do you love baseball as much today as you did when you started in T-ball? Yeah, I think anytime, anytime you get between the lines, right, it, it's the same game and, and somehow you have to learn how to control your emotions in terms of playing in these stadiums, playing in front of people, playing under pressure, all those kind of things. But at the end of the day, you're still throwing it at, at a guy with a glove with a guy standing behind him. And um, that, that's a pretty cool part of it in, in terms of having played really the same game my whole life and, and now just happening to to that translating to be able to support you know my family and, and stuff like that so that's pretty cool i think as you grow obviously the the days in between in between you playing as a starting pitcher get a little bit different in terms of the taking care of your body and also you know the business side of, of our game can get a little get a little hairy obviously we saw that with the lockout and all of that stuff and um i was our player rep at the time and and kind of dealing with that gives you a new kind of lease on on all the stuff that happens behind the behind the scenes but you know at the end of the day i, I don't think that feeling of, of putting your cleats on and, and running over the line really changes too much when you are between the lines you you have great hometown fans but you also play on an organization that is envied by many that has a lot of world championships i think first or second is it first or second you guys second sure. to the yankees i think new york maybe you guys are you guys are up there in the top three of all time World Series championships, NLCS championships. You guys are hated by a lot of people or have a lot of envy. What's what is the worst thing you've heard 
an opposing fan say to you or one of your teammates? Does anything come to mind of because I for I was just in D.C. at a Nationals game and I had a guy sitting behind me that was told to be quiet by the locals because of the way he was riding the opposing team. Okay. And I was like, man, he just got told by, uh, uh, you know, this side, Hey, cool your jets a little bit. What do you, do you see that quite a bit from opposing fans because of the feelings that they have for the Dodgers? And what is some of the bad things you've heard? If you remember any, um, no, I mean, you'll get some, there's certain cities that are just different. San Francisco is different for us. And, and you'll, you know, you can kind of see how, stadiums are set up to kind of let let people get a little closer to you in boston the, the bullpen is pretty close i've never started a game there but throwing bullpens there and kind of felt where people would be they're right on top of you san fran just moved their just moved their bullpens out to center field and and those people feel like they're right on top of you so um you know those those give them kind of access when you're really like playing but you know you hear stuff all over the place and um, most of the time, you know, you can tell that it's kind of one guy trying to be cool, one guy trying to say something to make people laugh, whatever. Uh, at the end of the day, I think as kind of shitty as it sounds, like people say something, and I think at least for me, I just say like, would they rather be me or you? Like, and, and I think most of the people that yell at you would probably rather be warming up for a game than, than sitting in the stands and, you know, a little harsh, but that's just kind of the way you deal with it, especially when you're, warming up for a game and, and all you're trying to get ready to do is compete. And um, that's just kind of, you know, I guess the, uh, the mantra I tell myself when, when anything kind of gets in there a little bit. What are, what are some of the emotional things that still get you about the game Walker? Do, do you, now that you're hurt and you, and I know you've been injured before, but does it, suck to see somebody like Bryce Harper go down with that type of injury when he's having the type of season he is does that get to you or is that just part of the game and that's just the business of baseball that hey you got a two-time MVP on his way to maybe a third um you know early it's too early to tell I get that but he was having a heck of a season um are there is there anything that pulls at your emotional heartstrings about the game of baseball um certain guy I mean Obviously, guys, you know, you know more if they go down, it is going to suck watching. You know, we have Daniel Hudson on our team who was really, really good to me my rookie year in 18 and went away to Washington for a few years. And we got back and he just hurt his his knee pretty good. And um, the guys come back from two Tommy Johns and and kind of carved out a, a pretty incredible role throughout the game in the past four or five years for himself and and for him to to blow his knee out on a comeback or sucks, right? It just sucks watching it. And you, you know, then you, then you root for whoever it is, whether the guy's on your team or not, you want him to come back and, and go out kind of on his terms, especially Daniel's getting a little bit older and, and you don't, you know, you want him to go out on his, on his own terms and not because, you know, his cleat got stuck in, in the mound, it, you know, <laughs> nobody wants that. Yeah. I think, I think that, I would have a hard time seeing a, a, a teammate go down, but I would also have a really hard time about rooting against uh, an opposing player because of injury. It's just such a hard thing to know that you could break your thumb on a fa- an inside fastball and your season's like 
I mean, surgery probably out six to eight weeks again for Bryce, right? And you know, Bryce is either you know he's got fans and he's got people that 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 don't like him. But the the bottom line is, is the guy's got some serious talent, and it sucks to see that part of the you know that it can happen and that injury can take you out. And people don't look at baseball as a sport like football to where oh you don't get hurt in this game. Well, there's a lot of injuries in baseball. They might not be broken femurs or broken collarbones or something taking a shot from a linebacker but the 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 injury part of the game um it seems like it's become one of those things that with a 162 game season the 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 injured list right now walker look like they're so full all of the time and there's so many top-notch players that are on the ir or the dl are you seeing that more and more? And why do you think that is that, 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 that people that are, that are, you know, looked at as their team leaders that need to be on the field. They're spending a lot of time on the DLs these days. Yeah. I mean, obviously the cynical side of, of me can say like, Hey, you know, we only got three and a half weeks of spring training. Right. And, and that, that can be a factor. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a, you know, data researcher, but you know, if, if, if this year there are more people on the injured list, like what is different this year? And, and we just happen to have a shorter spring training. So maybe that has part to do with it. Obviously, you know, you've got, got some guys that are hurt that, that the game is just better when, when they're in it. Um, Harper's a guy that's very polarizing, but obviously very talented, like, like you said, and um, you know, Philadelphia is a better team when he's on it. Baseball is a better game when he's in it. So Tatis is the same way with San Diego and, um, yeah, it just, it just stinks when, when big, big name guys like that get hurt. And, um, but also at the same time, you get to see, you know, guys step up and, and fill in a role and, and maybe carve out a career for themselves because, you know, the guy that they would be stuck behind, um, goes down for a little while and, and they have some success. So, um, you know, um, you know, similar to, to anything else in, in this world or in this life, like there's going to be some negatives and some positives to kind of everything. And, um, you know, those guys that are hurt, we obviously want back, but um, happy for the guys that, that are, are doing well and, and kind of creating their own own path towards, towards having a career and, and supporting their families here. Sticking along the same lines with the injury talk and going specifically to your injury, Walker Bueller, you couldn't control that. You had elbow pain. You're in San Francisco. You throw a pitch. You feel it. You try to stay in there. You give up a bomb. Shit happens, right? This happens to sports, to athletes, even the best. Because I've been told by a lot of people you're one of the best pitchers. And I know you're not just a friend. You are one of the best pitchers, if not the best pitcher in the National League. And I know you don't need your ass kissed, but it sucks seeing you out. But what can you do personally – to make sure this rehab goes, what are the control factors that you do have some control over? And I want you to touch on not just rehab and showing up, because I know you're going to do that, but nutrition, working out, cardio. Do you find yourself slurping on more spaghetti noodles right now and putting on a few pounds, or can you afford to do that when you know you're going to be out eight weeks, but you can time and say, well, with a month out, I'm going to start hitting it harder. What controllables are you staying on top of right now to make sure that you are back in the dugout, the bullpen, and on the mounds come September? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing for me, I I got to go home for Tuesday to Sunday and kind of be in in the new home that we just built, my wife and I, so mentally i think that was a nice break for me and and then get back get my stitches out and i'm able to kind of move around and 
kind of been rehab rehabbing for three days now and three good days of work, three, three good days of working out, good plan using the resources around us, whether it be our strength coaches or performance people or, or our medical staff. And, um, you know, at some point when you get hurt, you have to look in the mirror and say, like, what could I have done to do a better job, especially when it's an injury like this, right? It's an overuse injury. It's something that, hey, if my elbow is a little stronger, would this have happened? Did I do enough to get myself ready for the year, blah, blah, blah. And then I think on the flip side of that, like, all right, well, how do I get back? Will you improve those things? You kind of put some more time and effort into the things that you maybe weren't doing as much as you maybe should have been. And um, not to say that if you do everything perfectly, you're not going to get hurt. And not to say that if you if you don't do anything, you're going to get hurt. That That's just not how our game is. But, um, you know, go in, and put in the days and, and try and mentally get into a good spot where the the fear of that happening again is gone the the desire to like prove your body wrong a little bit has always kind of been a thing for me in, in terms of oh you have this in your elbow now it's healed like that's not going to happen again even if my body wants it to because i'm going to do x y and z strength wise x y and z nutrition wise and um you know it's just it's part of the process you've got to be patient and, and diligent and, and find a way to use that time to to kind of improve yourself, not only from that injury, but going forward in your career. I like that. So there are things that you are thinking about right now and talking with your trainers and your doctors and your orthopedic and all this that preventative for the future, because you have a chance to be a hall of famer. You have a chance to be a multi-time world series winner. You have a chance to be a multi-time Cy Young award winner. Okay. Let's not, let's not sugarcoat this. You were one of the best in the game. And a lot of people say that one of the things that surprised me is that I literally just had a, a podcast not too long ago with Mike Kruko, the great announcer for the San Francisco giants. And he made a remark about you within the podcast about, he's one of those guys that, that just has perfect mechanics and he's going to be around for a long time. And then boom, you're on the freaking DL, but th- 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 this could be a good thing. It could prevent it from happening again in the future because this stuff needed to be taken out of your elbow um your mechanics can they be improved on because it seems pretty flawless and what can we think about for the new and improved walker bueller come september do you have to get bigger quadriceps do you need a bigger ass like roger clemens do you need do you need to put on a few pounds so you can get so you can have a little bit more stamina later on the season? What are the things that because you're built like like we, I saw you with your shirt off and I'm not, I'm saying this in a friendly way, but we hunt together and you have a six pack like you're built, you're ripped up, you're shredded. What can we expect out of Walker Bueller for the future to prevent any more injuries? Because we do want to see this career last a long time. Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the biggest things for me was kind of all season I was hunting these certain fields and uh, you know. I kind of joke around or, you know, people joke around like I'm, I'm not really built like a pickup truck, right? Like I'm more like a little, little sports car and and I got to get tuned perfectly for things to work good and and things go well when I'm right. But I I think almost every start this year, I was hunting some feel or some, uh, some perfect delivery, right? Instead of really competing, I I guess is the big thing. And um, so I don't know, I'm going to try and try and get healthy, try and, find a way to throw the ball where I want it, how I want it, and, and kind of move forward and just try and compete at, at least for this year and, and try and help help our team out of the bullpen or starting or, or whatever I can. And then that's the beauty in our game. We have the off season to, to kind of go and, and try and create or recreate whatever 
you know, you want to be. And, and I just, I think I never really got into the rhythm of the season with my delivery and that'll happen. It just hasn't happened to me before since I've been in the big leagues. I've, I've felt pretty good throughout my career. And, um, you know, maybe a, a good little reset in terms of how I think about this game and, and how I think about going and, and having success um, being more about going and, and beating somebody than, than being some version of myself. And um, yeah, I'll get, get strong and, and get healthy and, and go and try and win a championship. I love it. I know it's going to happen. I know that you're going to be back on top. I hate seeing this, but I'm glad that it happened now and that you can get this out of the way. Do you, do you, do you want to make sure that your teammates know that you're behind them a hundred percent at all times. And when you're on the injury list, how do you do that? Because this is a different type of dugout. This is a professional dugout. This is a business. So everybody's doing their own thing and they come into the clubhouse and they get ready on their own time. They do their own thing. You, Major league baseball is different. Okay. You're held accountable, but you're also your own boss in a lot of ways. What can you do it? to show your teammates are there expectations for you to be a raw raw guy are there things that you're expected to do when you're on the dl but you are a team leader like walker bueller has been for many years for the dodgers i mean are you expected to, to keep them up um uh, i don't know I, i'm i haven't been traveling with the team so that that's part of it um uh, i don't know i think there's different ways to look at it and different ways to go about it i, I try and get my stuff done early or when no one else is, is in there and get out of the way because I'm one of those guys that it can be a little frustrating. Um, just as you said, we have so many injured guys and there's only so much time right in the, in the training room or the weight room or whatever for things to be used. And, and as a healthy player, you, you kind of want to go do your thing in, in the way that you want to do it. And as a guy that's hurt now, I'm just trying to stay out of, out of people's way and, and, um, that's just kind of how I'm, I'm handling it. Obviously I haven't really been able to do anything the first couple of weeks with my stitches and stuff. So um, try and stay out of the way as much as I can and, and let the guys that are going, going to go and win us a game tonight, kind of get whatever they need. And um, that's something that, that is big for me when, when I'm playing. So I, I'm certainly not going to, you know, flip that around and, and do the things that make me mad when I'm healthy, when, when I'm hurt. I love it. So, you're going to go to the field tonight. You'll be at Dodger Stadium tonight cheering the team on? No, they're playing in Colorado. Oh, they're their, in Colorado. They're on the road yeah, right now. I'll order a little food, sit, have it up on the TV, and, and watch us go win a game, hopefully. You're going to order in tonight? Yeah, I'll probably order something. I've been eating pretty good out here. I found a new rest or a new grocery. But they've got some They've got some game meat. They've got some good buffalo steaks over there. I've been eating a lot of those. Even got a little ground elk over there. Nice. What's this place called? You want to give them a little pivot or are you waiting for them to yeah. pay you for an endorsement? No, I would love for them to. I've been trying hard. It's a place called Erewhon, E-R-E-W-H-O-N, super, super healthy place. And uh, Somewhere, you know, I, I eat a lot of lunches with my wife there. She she does not do dairy, so that's a nice place to go and, and be able to get some some good food like that. But, uh, no, you, you know, you were talking about nutrition and stuff earlier and trying to eat a little cleaner because – you know, you don't have all the pressure of, of winning or losing, right? I'm just trying to get healthy and um, just don't really have the excuses of, well, I won a game so I can eat wings tonight, right? So you try and, try and eat a little cleaner. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm really, you know, I'm pretty vain, Walker Bueller, and I saw myself today on an interview I just did for Realtree Brand Camo, and I put on some weight for COVID. Not a lot, but too much for me, and it pisses me off because I'm like, dang it, I have so much control of that. I can easily right. make better decisions. But then I'm like, oh, man, we killed a limb and a mallard, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat a bunch of duck fried rice. And, and it's just like I, I want to live life, and I want to have fun, and I want to win every day. But I also want to have a balance, too, to where I get to continue to do that into my 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s like my buddy Les that just had lunch with me today. Today we ate awesome, awesome lamb. You know, we had an unbelievable lamb that I put on the Traeger. I ate really clean. I had some purple onions, Walker Bueller. I had some really lean lamb meat with none of the fat because I do not like lamb fat. I'll eat some beef fat. I'll eat duck fat, but I do not like lamb fat. I had some purple onions. I had some green onions and I had a tiny bit of tomatoes with some lamb meat and that's clean. Okay. So, so right now at two 47 in the afternoon today, Walker Bueller, I have probably consumed 400 calories. Okay. This is how dedicated I am to losing some fat off of my butt. Right. And I just, it's, it's, it's good to know that you go through the same thing to where you have to make those right decisions too, because people need to be held accountable. We need to hold ourselves accountable because it's easy to make the wrong decisions and it's okay to do it sometimes, but we got to be accountable and we got to be balanced most of the time. And that's what it's going to take, you know, for, if that's what it takes for a professional athlete to perform, we need to take that in and hone our own skills and say, you know what, we can make better decisions every day. And I looked at myself on camera Walker and I'm just like, God dang it, man. What the freak? And I know that they say the camera adds like 10 pounds, but not 30, right? Like it don't add that much. (laughs) So anyway, man, I appreciate you as an athlete. I appreciate you as a person. I appreciate you as a friend. We got new episodes of the Foul Life TV coming out right now. You're on TV with me eating goose meat with Chase Rice and our buddy Joel up in Wisconsin. And I love being in camp with you. I can't wait to do that again this fall. Um, You got to find me a bison so I can get some meat for the winter, man. Dude, do you know who do you know who has him? Is your buddy that you hung he with? He won't let me. He said they're like his pets. Oh, he's got to breed some for butcher. I he tried. really won't. He really won't. I really pushed it too hard. He got like real sad about. It. Wow. He was like, "Listen, man. Like, truly, they're like my little. They're like my pets." <laughs> All right, man. Oh man. Okay. Well, I got other contacts for that. I'll get you hooked up. I'll get you hooked up. Are you are you getting to enjoy a an adult beverage at all at this time in the season? Can you have one whiskey at night? I didn't drink for three and a half months to start the year. Three and a half until you got hurt. Yeah. So you you were pitching mini games into the seventh inning. Do you think terrible this year? No, you were you started off with a lot of long long outings. No, I had the, I threw a complete game shutout in Arizona, and that kind of skewed the view. And I threw a good game in Chicago, but other than that, I've been terrible. You were like seven and one at one time. Yeah, I was six and one. That's not terrible. Yeah, that doesn't mean I was good. There was a couple five and twos that our team scores, and we win, and I get the credit for being average. That's a lot of humility in that statement, I think. But okay, I'll take your word for it. But have you uh, when you were when you were not drinking for? Th- 90 that's a hundred and 105 days did you feel better uh yeah i feel more like level right like you know when you drink a lot you can kind of up and down and how you feel and um yeah i just felt a lot more like level 
That's good to know. That's another thing that I'm disciplining myself on, Walker, is understanding the the ability of leveling out and balancing out and drying out and, and just and, and not overdoing it. Not yeah, it's worth hard it. With that, hard with that Jack Daniels sponsorship to do that, though. Big time. I love Jack Daniels. Hey, you're you're a Kentucky boy, so like you probably don't agree with me, but it's the best whiskey ever made. <laughs> That's not a laugh. I just cut his audio out. That is truly, that is 100% the truth. Are you still laughing? I can't believe you just said that. I swear on my life 100% that there's no one, there's not one better tasting whiskey on this earth. 100% with single barrel Jack Daniels. But then you take the seven and the gentleman, it smokes any bourbon ever thought of. Listen, my wife's dad would agree with you, but... When we set up this Kentucky pond duck hunt, which I just planted some millet in the pond at home to get ready for this thing, you, I will find you 30 of them that are better. Not a chance. Not a chance. In my, in my bar right now. If you had a good enough arm to throw a snowball to hell, it would have a better chance of making it than a bourbon being better than Jack Daniels. You follow me? Now, you do have a good arm, but I don't think you could throw a snowball all the way to the devil. And I'm just telling you, that snowball would have a better chance down there in hell than a freaking bourbon being better than Jack Down. Any whiskey, anything. I'm just being honest. It's so good. I'm just going to agree to disagree, and then we'll do a little test. You've done the bourbon trail. Would you be my guest to Lynchburg one day and and look at the culture and history of Jack Daniels and do a tasting with me? Yeah, but you also... I'm you personally inviting you. Okay. I'm personally inviting you, though, to come to Lynchburg with me after the season. All right. How many single barrels? How many of your own barrels you got now? Because you four. gave me, you got four of them. All right. I got my second one coming in. I got one made Blanton's for the wedding. And then we got a little Makers on the way. Do I get a, a bottle of this stuff? Yeah, I can find you one of those somewhere. Do you need, do you, well, you're not drinking that much. I would send you some in LA. No, I have yours at the house, it's in the bar at the new house. Do you need any for LA? No. You try to keep away from it. Okay, I'm going to hold you to that Kentucky pond hunt. I need to know some dates. I know. We just got to figure out because it's hard down there. You never know when they're going to be there. That's a chance this, to take. Yeah, we have this weird. Well, it's kind of nice where we hunt a lot because you're hunting a lot of ponds that have local birds too. So you can either like shoot three or four or you can shoot a bunch. But there's always going to be some birds around there. And we scout it pretty good at night. Well, I'm, I'll be ready for that. Is our uh, mutual buddy, uh, Caleb, going to join? He's been throwing the ball a little bit, huh? Yeah, he just went back on the DL. I saw that, but he's been throwing it pretty good before that. Yeah, second TJ. It's hard to do. Yeah, it's a big deal for him to come off of that. Oh, I was talking to Chase today. Did you see his, he's got a concert in Pearl Harbor on July 4th? I know. Did you see that? He's in Hawaii right now. That's going to be so sick. He's He's awesome. I just came back from Nashville. I was out there for NASCAR. I know. We were down there. We were in Kentucky while you were there. I'm sure it didn't make it work. But you were, we trying, were trying to come down with your wife. No, we got the new house, so we're trying to get that all set up. But well, I guess I will stay in touch with you. I'm, I want to come to a Dodgers game, but I probably won't until you're back. So in September, you can plan on seeing me at a game somewhere. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out where are you living most of the time now? Nevada. Let me see what we got. We play. 
Yeah, we only really play division. So San Diego, Arizona, San Francisco. I might come to San, but you won't travel to Frisco, will you? Or are you talking about when you're back? No, this is when I'm back. Well, I'll be, I'll come to that Frisco. When's the Frisco series? September 16th, 17th, 18th. Might be able to make that work. All right. And then, hey, I got to get you to hook me up with your gun safe guy. I need to get one for the house. Easy. I don't care. I'll pay for it, whatever, but. I'll send you a text after this. Okay. Um, all right, buddy. Get better, please. All right. We'll talk to you. Thank you. See you, Bo. Bye. That's Walker Bueller. The man. Los Angeles Dodgers. I love him. NCAA champion in Nashville with Vanderbilt. World Series champion with the Dodgers. He's a great guy. He loves our culture, and I appreciate his friendship so much. And uh, let's all wish him luck in getting back. Jack Daniels, thank you again for being the title sponsor of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. Lynchburg, Tennessee, Gentleman Jack, Jack Hold Number 7, Single Barrel, The Flavors, Jack Fire, The Honey, The Apple, their entire portfolio Get to Lynchburg, go on a tasting, go on a tour, go see the company, the history, the brand, the people of Lynchburg, where every single drop of Jack Daniels Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey is made and sold in over 170 countries around the world. And again, every drop is made right there in Lynchburg, Tennessee. I'm Chad Belding. Thank you again for downloading and subscribing to This Life Ain't For Everybody. Check out our other sister podcast right now, The Foul Life Podcast, Where the Payment Ends, 40 Years to Freedom, and Anna V's Wing Shooting Podcast, American Wing Shooting. Um, we're excited about them we'll be adding more titles soon there's a lot of series within those thank you to all of our partners and sponsors brand new episodes of the foul life television title sponsor of that is benelli benelli's the foul life is airing right now brand new episode season 14 exclusively on the outdoor channel you can find more information about us at the foul life.com this life ain't for everybody.com find us all over social media instagram facebook tiktok i'm chad belding thank you all very much thank you walker bueller talk to you guys soon Cause I'd rather be poor living off in a hole Than rich as hell without a soul Life on earth won't last too long So what you gonna do when the money's all gone I'd rather be poor living off in a hole Than rich as hell without a soul Life on earth won't last that long what you gonna do when the money's all gone? Say life on earth won't last that long. What you gonna do when the money's all gone?